Who's the latest nostalgic action hero cast in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad? Which Star Wars actor wants to play James Bond? And exactly how did Donald Trump bully his way onto the set of Home Alone 2? We explore that and more on today's Matrixiest, Rick Moranis getting randomly sucker punched on the streets of New York Cityist, Tom and Jerryist episode of Nostalgia Cast. Welcome to Nostalgia Cast, your weekly roundup of the best and most up-to-date nostalgic news where we discuss the stories and give our thoughts. Let's take a look back into our childhoods through the lens of modern pop culture with your hosts, Andrew Price, Dad Beats, aka Kirk Pinchon, and sometimes Tyler Palo, but not today. What up? When you hear that song, our, our new theme song, do you ever have an urge to snort cocaine with me? The, that's, a, that's a trick question. <laughs> Is it loaded? Really? Because I never don't have that feeling. Oh, that's right. You always want to snort cocaine with me. Yes. See, you don't need music for your cocaine usage. Nope. Mm-mm. Sometimes I need a little. I need a little motivation, and that's the '80s music to get some me people, into doing some rails. Some people need cocaine in order to be inspired to make music. Some people need music to be inspired to snort cocaine. <laughs> that's me. But I don't need anything. It's a. Just- it's a, It's it's the background radiation of my existence. <laughs> Just give Andrew that sugar bugger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what up? What up, Kirky? I'm here. I'm ready. I'm uh, excited to discuss some of these topics. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Got some hot takes. Steamy. Straight out. Steamy. Straight out of the oven. Straight out of the oven. Don't touch them because you might burn yourself. Hopefully you can season them with a couple little cobs. Hit them with the cobs a little bit. Sprinkle, sprinkle, sprinkle. That's good. Seasoned with the cobs. I'm bringing that in. Let me season it with some cobs. Yep. Season two is killer. You got to season it with the cobs. Got to season it with the cobs. Oh, that's so good. Well, uh, what, what, what's what's going on since last week? What, what, what uh, any, any new... Uh, any new public officials elected to office on Mars? No, no. Still here. Still Gerald Ford. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was a good idea that they decided to uh, clone uh, the dead body of Gerald Ford and then uh, ha- install him as the permanent president of Mars. And he's 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 so fun. Yeah. He still trips, but you're like, oh, that's cute, but it's great. We yes. still have the health insurance. We still have, uh, you know, uh, dogs running for office. It's mm-hmm. great. Yes. Yeah. It's really good. It's better than America. Yep. Gerald Ford, truly the best and most memorable of the American presidents. Never has there been a better president than Gerald Ford. <laughs> Facts don't at me. So getting into the industry news. Mm-hmm. Top of the show this so 
you know, as as we all know, it's been a it's been a hard climb up the up the mountain these past eight months. Some say that we haven't even reached the halfway point of the mountain. Some people say that we kind of climbed to the like last 10 feet and then we fell back down to the beginning and then we've gotten back up to maybe like a quarter way up the mountain. But whatever you think about description is terrible. Whatever you think about our relative progress on this mountain, uh, you know, back in back in March, everything shut down. We stopped making everything. We stopped making movies. We stopped going to the movies. We stopped uh, thinking about movies. We just started thinking about impending doom. True. And then slowly movies started coming back. They started they started peeking their way back into our peripheral being like, hey, remember me? Remember movies? I know you're before. I I know you're scared about uh, dying in a horrible plague, but remember movies? I won't hurt you. You want to see Wonder Woman 1984? You want to see the new James Bond movie? They're already shot. They already made them. Come along. They just got to come out. And so, you know, we first it was like, do we reopen the theaters? And the the theaters have like reopened and then closed and reopened. And it's been, you know, it's been a back and forth on that one. We talked about the chronicles of Tom Cruise and his propaganda video trying to get us to go back to the movie theaters. Um, Propaganda video. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. It was. (laughs) It was. Um, And then on on the actual production front, um, things have slowly adapted. You know, they've they've developed a bunch of systems. Television and movie productions have kind of reopened. You know, whole seasons of TV shows have been shot since the COVID-19 thing started, which is kind of surreal to me. I was I, I saw a trailer for the new season of Superstore. Oh yeah, it was, I love Superstore. Where you know they're they you know they they work at a at a at a uh, at a department store. That's the premise of the show is employees at this department store, like a like a Kmart type place. Yeah, like a um, Walmart. Yeah. Fun fun fact: the pilot episode for Superstore was shot in the Kmart next to my old apartment, and for about six months, it was just converted into a cloud nine. Uh, where like you would just you could go and shop in there but it was it was just a cloud nine oh that's cool all all the signage everything was transferred into being the set of the show so you were you were like shopping at a fictional store um yeah but uh but the uh but but the new this new trailer came out and like as far as i could tell from the trailer the show has you know pivoted to heavily incorporating the the COVID-19 stuff into it where like they all wear wear face masks and there's jokes about face masks and social distancing. Yeah, they do a great job of it. Yeah. Really great. And and what was surreal to me about that was I was like I was watching that trailer and I was like how did they how is this how did they like how did they make this so fast? Like how did they make a whole season that like incorporates like the pandemic into it so fast. And then I was like, wait a minute. It wasn't so fast. It's been eight months. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like it was a couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. They even joke about that on Superstore where they're just like the, the per- first episode of the season that was like, listen, 
in a couple of weeks, this will be back to normal. We'll be fine. And then it cuts to six months later. It's really smart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, dude, we're like, we're hitting into the nine month area. Yeah. But you could have had a kid. I could have. Oh, man. Quarantine baby. Even, yeah. even less acclimated to the outside world than my current children are. Or <laughs> like my son, my oldest son kind of remembers what it was like. And then my, and my, my youngest son, he had four months of like normal life. Yeah. But obviously he doesn't remember that. So from his perspective, like people just live in bunkers and, yep. <laughs> and they just like don't, and they stay away from other human beings and they wear masks. Yeah, that's normal. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that, you know, they've got, we've gotten back into productions and both film and television and there have been some issues with it. You know, like we talked about, um, Robert Pattinson getting coronavirus while after they restarted the shoot for, uh, the Batman. Um, and there's been some other issues with outbreaks on sets and things like that, but that those are kind of the big stories, but I think sort of behind the scenes more, I think people have kind of gotten a handle on it where, you know, TV shows and movies, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of tests every day. They're checking people's temperatures. Everybody gets tested for coronavirus like multiple times a day. And I think they've kind of gotten it figured out of like how to do these productions safely. Yeah. Um, There haven't been huge, huge news of like, this has been shut down. This movie shut down again. And so I think that's, that's true. Yeah. So, so the matrix four, which we reported on several episodes ago, whenever it kind of, when it first was announced, Months and months ago, probably a year ago at this point. Um, and then we've talked about it a couple of times since then. But, you know, they started shooting it and then, the, and then the pandemic happened and then they shut down production like everybody else. And then they restarted production and they finished the movie. Um, so the Matrix 4 is wrapped. But the issue is or the controversy is that they were shooting in Germany and Germany has a nationwide ordinance against any kind of social gathering that you know isn't mandated in some way like it like these film shoots are allowed um and like i'm I'm assuming like political gatherings are allowed protesting is allowed all these things are exempt but like you can't have parties that are that are like more than 10 people or whatever the number is um and so be and in that respect Technically, the Matrix Four was not allowed to have a rap party. It was—it's literally against the law for them to have a rap party. They can shoot the movie, but they can't have a party with you know X amount of people. So what they did to get around this was they faked a a shooting day. They they they. They said that they were shooting a celebration scene. And then they had a rap party that was that was under the guise of being a sh- uh, a, a production shooting day. Yeah. But and so as many as 200 members of the team are said to have taken part in the rap party at Studio Babelsberg in Potsdam, Germany. Um with those behind the Matrix 4 reportedly circumventing the new protocols by claiming they were filming a scene for the highly anticipated sci-fi sequel. 
According to a source who was lucky enough to attend, the mood at the party was exuberant. And while they added that no one was filming, the spokeswoman for Studio Babelsberg, Bianca Markovitz, refuted this claiming that the team was shooting a quote-unquote celebration scene and that quote-unquote hygiene regulations were complied with. Um, the The production team consciously put this shoot with its many participants right at the end of the filming. Um, so they were straight up just like, here's a loophole. We're shooting a, mo- a scene where people are celebrating. There's, yeah. there's, there's a key scene in Matrix 4 where they have a rap party for the end of the yeah. war. <laughs> in what Matrix world has there ever been a celebration scene? In all three the uh, previous uh, Matrixes, there's never been a celebration scene. Well, there was a huge uh, techno orgy in i think i think matrix 2 yeah but let me sprinkle you some cops okay sprinkle them on Mm. not all orgies are celebrations (laughs) just just fyi don't ask me why i know that he says with his son meandering around in the background (laughs) it's my 15 year old son just walked by and my daughter to the left of me i'm a garbage parent Daughter to the but, left of me, wife to the right. Here I am, just some talking garbage. orgies with you. <laughs> uh, this yeah. is terrible. Can we agree this is terrible? Yeah, I mean, so the the coda to this is um, people got wise to this. It, they did not get away scot free, or I yes. mean, maybe they did. I don't know, but they did not. They did not sneak by scot free. Uh, now officials in Potsdam have confirmed the allegations will be used as part of a hearing to find out if the gathering at Studio Babelsberg breached the city's health regulations, which currently only allow for events up to 50 people to be held due to the ongoing pandemic. So they are getting investigated and potentially the production or the studio will get criminal charges filed against them for uh, breaking this ordinance. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I yes, 100 percent. I there's there's no reason to have a party. The, I mean, the issue with it, the issue with it for me personally, in my opinion, the issue is that they shouldn't be having parties. I mean, they're making the movie. It's really debatable whether or not even that should be happening. But you know, the 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 entertainment industry is driving an economy and 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 you know the source of a lot of jobs and employment and income. So maybe it's, you know, it's like that, that ethical gray of like, is it really socially responsible that we are putting these movies back into production at the expense of people's safety? But then also again, like maybe it's just kind of a necessary thing because a lot of people's jobs are depending on it, but no matter what, no matter where you kind of land on that, having a party is completely unnecessary that is that's, they don't need to have a party to no, make this all. movie a- and for me personally I, that's my opinion is like that's completely unnecessary you're you're endangering people's health for no reason other than just having this dumb party that is completely unnecessary but even if you don't think it's a big deal even if you're like eh, they've been shooting they're all gathered together anyway. They might as well have a party. Who cares? Even if you think that this isn't that big deal and it's overblown and people are taking the COVID-19 thing too seriously, which I don't agree with at all. But even if you think that, it's still unfair because if 
every average person has to follow these rules and any average Joe or I guess average average Johan over in Germany um, isn't allowed to have big parties, then these rich movie stars should have to be subject to the same rules. They shouldn't get exactly. special treatment because they're celebrities. Yeah, you can't and you can't be someone who's involved in this and be like, oh, these big parties where people are at lakes and they're all just partying over the summer. That's terrible. By the way, we're going to have a wrap party in this. It's going to be great. Keep it on the down low. Yeah. It's just, it's very hypocritical. Also, you would think everyone in the film industry knows, like, it's so hard to A, make a movie, B, to do it in COVID times, that the literally last shot is done. They should be like, that's a wrap. Everybody, get the fuck out. Go. Put on the masks. Get home. Yeah. Get home. Be safe. Just um, take off. Thank you for your work. Here's your paycheck. Go. That's what it should have been. Yeah. And and another thing that I that I read about this story, which I I found interesting, there was like a brief little mention of like, and it felt like such a PR type thing, but there was a brief little mention of like Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss. Um, uh, reportedly did not attend the party and left, you know, immediately after rapping or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Keanu. He's a national treasure. I stand Keanu. We've talked about Keanu Reeves tons of times on the show. And maybe that's true, but it kind of felt like a PR move where they were like, okay, we got found out. We're going to preserve the reputations of our two mm-hmm. biggest stars. And we're going to say that they didn't go. It yeah. felt like it felt like uh, like PR Kung Fu to me of like, yeah, OK, fine. But, uh, you know, Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss didn't even go. So they're no, they're, they're, they're still they're still heroes. Yeah, they're still wonderful. Yeah. Joey Pants, though. He was there. Joey oh, yeah, Pants he was, was totally there. Yeah. He was coughing on people <laughs> just on purpose. Yeah. He didn't care. <laughs> They just throw Joey Pants under the bus. Yep. But yeah. <laughs> they just blame it all on him. You're like, it was his idea. He, <laughs> he like paid forced for us at gunpoint. He was like doing, he was doing rails of blow <laughs> off of people's foreheads. He's the real villain. <laughs> just throw Joey, Joey Pants is like, I wasn't even in the movie. And they're like, you were there. I died in the first one. <laughs> yeah. Um. So getting into pop culture news. This is going to enrage you right here, I think. Already, already way ahead of you, buddy. <laughs> um, so uh, we've talked about it before many, many times. Last episode, we talked about it. The, the infamous saga of release the Snyder Cut, which you all know my opinion on this. You know my feelings on our boy Zack Snyder and his films and this whole thing about how he shot a shitty movie and then he had to leave for admittedly tragic circumstances. And so they got a new director to finish his shitty movie and it came out and it was shitty and then everyone hated it. And then for some reason they thought that somehow Zack Snyder version would have been better, even though it wouldn't have because none of his other Batman or Superman movies have been good. And now this up outcry of, 
fans whining that they wanted to see his version somehow actually in this chaos magic of 2020 actually convinced Warner Brothers to let Zack Snyder spend like $20 million redoing a new cut of the film to release as a four hour direct to HBO Max movie, or maybe it was a miniseries cut up into one hour chunks. I forget exactly where they landed on that. So they're spending $20 million. Everyone's talking about like, oh, they're reshooting this. We're reshooting that. Ben Affleck's coming back as Batman and all this stuff. So Zack Snyder's Justice League reshoots will only add five minutes of new footage. Zack Snyder has confirmed that the Justice League reshoots will only add about four or five more minutes of footage. Speculation has been off the charts with Snyder reuniting with a lot of the cast and newcomers, including Jared Leto's Joker. However, it does not look like the four-hour runtime of the Snyder Cut will be greatly changed by the additional photography, which is the exact opposite of how the original theatrical version of the movie ended up when Joss Whedon took over. In a new interview, Zack Snyder clarified some misunderstandings around the uh, Snyder Cut reshoots. In the end, it's probably going to be about four minutes or five minutes of additional photography. In the four hours that is Justice League, it is four minutes. So, that's it. I mean, there's there's obviously other changes. It's not just... They're not just adding five minutes. There's a bunch of changes like they've been releasing comparison shots of like there's a villain in the movie named Steppenwolf who's, you know, he's just a DC villain character. And they're showing um, the version of Steppenwolf that was in the Joss Whedon version, which was like he kind of had changed it to this where Steppenwolf looked more humanoid. He, you know, he kind of he had the costume and the alien like features but he was kind of he kind of looked like a guy with a costume on with some facial augmentations and stuff and some cgi augmentations on him but ultimately it looked more like a guy wearing a like a costume and then they compared that to the new version that was that's in the snyder cut which is what he wanted from the beginning which is like a completely cgi looking monster character um and it, people have been showing that off as just being like, look how much better this looks. And I'm looking at it. I'm just like, they both look like shit. Like <laughs> they, they, it's, they, it's equal amounts of crap. Yeah. They both look terrible. Like I, I, I don't, I don't like the original version of Steppenwolf from the Joss Whedon version, but this new version also looks like shit. So who cares? Um, but yeah, so it's not, it's not only the new footage that's changing the movie, but yeah, the, everyone's so, everyone was so hyped up about reshoots and things like that. But it sounds to me like the, the reshoots were really just going to be small pieces that probably were like connective tissue to facilitate bigger pieces that were already shot yes. to be cut together, basically. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's what I was thinking. The only way like literally now- like literally they were just like we had a scene where Batman and Superman were like flying in a ship like over the Atlantic Ocean and then we had another scene where they're like sitting in the Batcave and we needed to like have those two scenes fit together so we just need to literally shoot a scene of Batman like looking at Superman and Superman being like, hold on to me. I'm going to fly us to your bat cave. And then like, that's what they're shooting. Yeah. But again, you know, there's people out there who'd be like, yes, yes. See that nailed it. <laughs> Definitive cut. Yep. 
And I'm just like, uh, the only way it's a definitive cut is if those four or five minutes are some sort of dance montage to 80s music. It's all <laughs> the five additional minutes of footage is all just them taking your motion capture dancing from True, <laughs> True Crime Studios of L.A. And yes. just and just having Batman and Superman dance together. Yeah. And that's it. And people go. He he nailed it. He did it. He nailed it. He and it gets it. an Oscar. <laughs> That'd be great. Um but yeah, other than that, I, I other than that, I don't give a crap. I, I can't even with this story. It's just so insane to me that this is just and a now it's getting to the point where it's almost like, hey, let's let's troll Andrew. It really is. I I I fully believe that I'm in a Truman Show type scenario where they're just like, yeah, it, but literally in just this one part of yeah, your life, let's drive him insane. Yeah, with this one story. Um. So, uh, speaking of DC, the they so you know as you as you probably know as I'm sure we've talked about on the show before, um. And another kind of strange series of moves that DC has made in their in their movie universe. They, you know, back in 2015, I think it was, they came out with the suit with Suicide Squad, which was mm-hmm. the movie that had Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn and and it had Will Smith and um, Jai Courtney and uh, infamously Jared Leto as Joker, and it was directed by uh, David Iyer, who is a director that I normally love. Uh, I mean, he has some, some stuff that I don't care for, but you know, end of watch, great movie. Uh, don't even get me started. How good that movie is. You know, he, he, he wrote training day, tons of, tons of stuff. Um, but take bright's good. Yeah. I know. I haven't even watched bright yet. It's good. Yeah. Bright, bright came out like right whenever Alistair was born. So, oh, you're not watching. Yeah, we just like wasn't watching movies. Um, but yeah, he, yeah, he directed that. Um, but, uh, but this was just a a rare situation where just like I was not on board with this at all. This movie just, and I don't think anyone was, it totally tanked at the box office. It just was a disaster. The, the Jared Leto joke, the Jared Leto Joker became this like huge cultural punchline. Um, and the movie was just, it was just a mess. The movie was just a complete and total mess. The only thing that came out of this movie is like the heavy popularity of just not even the character, but just the visual existence of yeah. Harley Quinn, just like Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn just became like everybody was that for Halloween. And, you know, that, that, that was the what that was the one thing that came out of the movie. Um, That's what it was good for. So they decided to uh, basically James Gunn, who was the director of uh, the 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 first two um, Guardians of the Galaxy movies for uh, writer and director for the first two Guardians of the Galaxy movies for Marvel. Um, and he's you know, he's a director. Uh, you know, he started out as a, directing movies for Troma. So he he directed Tromeo and Juliet, which is like a hyper gory uh, parody of Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. Um, He directed, uh, wrote and directed Slither. Um, And uh, fun fact, he wrote the Scooby-Doo movies. 
Oh yeah, I remember you telling me that. Yeah, but um, he 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 directed those films, which was kind of like an unprecedented move considering his career prior to getting into the MCU. And then famously, he got into he's an outspoken liberal, and he got into kind of like an argument back and forth with some huge conservative influencer on social media, which led to the influencer digging up a bunch of old tweets from several years ago, from over a decade ago that he had made that were, you know, very kind of not politically correct. Um, and that led to him getting fired by Disney from uh, from doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah. So, which was, you know, that whole thing was just total bullshit. And I think everyone's kind of looked back and reflected on it and, and come to that conclusion that these were statements that he had already apologized for. He had like on his own years before this happened, he had already kind of publicly acknowledged, acknowledged this period in his life and, and apologized for the things that he had said and said that he was just trying to be shocking and he was trying to be funny, you know, you know, go for shock factor and that he had like changed and matured and he had already gone on record apologizing for this stuff. This was this was already known before he was hired to make the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie and it was dredged up and it was it was a smear job basically. It, it was this it was this conservative influencer guy weaponizing political correct culture to get him fired by, you know, using the tool that you know, liberal people have used in the past to get other people fired um mm. and it worked and he got fired but then and then and then in the interim so he got fired and then there was like some back and forth of like was that the right move did we do the right thing here was this actually something that he should have been fired for or was it somebody just trying to like smear his name by br bringing up these old tweets that he'd already apologized for and so on and so forth um, and in that interim, uh, basically what happened was Warner Brothers snatched him up and hired him to direct a reboot of the Suicide Side Squad movie. So only a couple of years after that first Suicide 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 Squad movie came out, they were just like, "We're just going to reboot the franchise. We're gonna it, we're gonna get a bunch of the same actors to be in it and play the same characters, but it's not going to be a sequel. It's just going to be a new." beginning it's like a new retelling yeah like the first one never existed you know what it is oh you know what it is it's like and this is a this is a good segue into what we're talking about it's like rocky five never existed yeah it's the exact same thing rocky five does not get acknowledged in the canon of rocky mm -hmm. it's just skipped over yeah and they just they just did what was the first one? Rocky Balboa, the first like reboot. Yeah, they, one they rebooted Rocky Balboa, and then they're like, yeah, that did well, so let's move on. And uh, yeah, uh, Rocky Five never existed. Yeah, it's yeah, it's totally like that, except for it's like that, except for if Rocky Balboa came out like a year and a half after the Rocky <laughs> yeah, Five, and not like as decades later, as opposed to decades later. Um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, the. The and then he was subsequently rehired to Guardians of the Galaxy three after Disney was like, yeah, we got we got trolled by this dumbass. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but so that movie is is being made, Suicide Squad, and uh, that was a long runway to explain that. 
uh, but it's just a fascinating story. But basically, the story here is that uh, Sylvester Stallone has been cast in the Suicide Squad in a mystery role. So we don't know. We don't know what he is going to play. But Stallone is going to be in the Suicide Suicide Squad movie. Um, he was in a small role in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, so clearly James Gunn and him have some kind of relationship. And so it makes sense that he would be cast in this. And, you know, honestly, if if you were if you were uh, if you were a director, you know, somewhere in our age range from the 30 to 50 year old age range that kind of either grew up or were kind of in your teenage or early 20s years at the height of Sylvester Stallone's popularity and you got the mm-hmm. power to make a movie like why wouldn't you cast Sylvester Stallone in your movie um, yeah I'll tell you right now if they gave me if they gave me a hundred million dollars tomorrow to make a movie uh, you can debt you can you can bet that I'd be trying to get Schwarzenegger and Stallone in it oh like, yeah no matter what it oh, was yeah. um, they got cachet yeah so uh, actually no, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't. I don't want to give away free ideas. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll. I'll tell you off the podcast. Um, but yeah, so he's gonna be in it, uh, and and it seems to be like uh, it seems like from what it's being said. Uh, so this is the so so Stallone revealed this on his social media, and he said uh, he said uh, good more good morning everyone. It's Saturday, <laughs> and I'm in the way. I'm in my way over to do a little work for great director James Gunn on Suicide Squad 2. And I think it's going to be a spectacular effort. I saw it and it's unbelievable. So I'm very proud to be included. And I can't tell you anything more about it because you're going to have to wait and see. But it's going to be well worth the wait. Anyway, keep punching and see you in the movies. Um, so it seems like it's going to be a similar thing where it's going to be like a small kind of cameo type situation. I'd almost bet. Yeah. 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 Hey, Andrew. Yeah. Keep punching. Mm-hmm. Keep punching. Keep punching Keep everybody. Punching, yeah. Um, so, uh, in, in today's news that you didn't think needed to be said. <laughs> <laughs> Disney and Marvel <laughs> have officially gone on record and announced that they won't make Black Panther 2 using a digital body double of Chadwick Boseman. <gasps> Clutches my pearls. Black Panther 2 will not feature a digital double in place of the late Chadwick Boseman. <clears throat> Marvel Studios EVP Victoria Alonso confirmed the news in a recent interview. Boseman sadly passed away in August after a lengthy and secret battle with stage four colon cancer. The world is continuing to mourn his loss, along with his friends and family, though that did not stop some Marvel Cinematic Universe fans from wondering about the future of Black Panther 2. The overall consensus seems to be against making Black Panther 2 with a digital double taking over for Chadwick Boseman. As it turns out, Marvel Studios feels the exact same way. Um, Here's what Victoria Alonso had to say when asked if the studio was thinking about replacing Boseman digitally in an upcoming sequel. No. There's only one Chadwick, and he's not with us. Our king, unfortunately, has died in real life, not just in fiction. And we are taking a little time to see how we return to history and what we do to honor this chapter of what has happened to us that was so unexpected, so painful, and so terrible, really. So, yeah, I mean, didn't think it needed to be said, but uh, they're not going to make a Black Panther 2 where they deep fake late actor Chadwick Boseman's face onto an actor. Uh, James Dean 
style. Oh yeah, that's in, in that in that one movie that yeah. never ended up getting made that we talked. They're about. They're all heroes here. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about this that, and I've heard this, and I was like, yeah, do that is make Black Panther the sister. Yeah, I mean that, that's movie. definitely one of the things they're you know sure Shuri, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what yeah, it should fo- be. Focusing the movies on Shuri. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, I I'm so afraid to ask this of you because it's gonna I worry it's gonna bring you down a, a a long rabbit hole. How do you explain away that Black Panther Chadwick Boseman is no longer with us? Because he can't die, like in that world. Because they have such high uh, uh, and such advanced medical and science facilities on the planet, he would be cured. So you can't be like you can't give a one off of like he passed. So you have to take on the mantle. Well, the thing is, is like he could die. I mean, for some huge reason, he dies heroically in some kind of cosmic battle or whatever. Mm-hmm. The, re- okay. the 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 okay. real the real issue with that just in universe if we're talking about the movies is yeah it's just completely unprecedented that such a big hero would just die i mean they spent they spent like almost 20 years and what was it 19 movies i forget what the number is mm-hmm. um building up to a point where it was okay to have iron man die like mm-hmm. that that was a and that was that was like a culmination of 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 like no, 20 years is not the is not the what am i saying uh 2008 like not 20 years 12, 12 years i don't know 12. why i don't i i don't know why i said 20 but because tw- we're in corona times. yeah yeah it's all a blur but yeah like 12 years and like dozens of movies to get to build to a place where it was like emotionally and like from a franchise perspective the right thing to do to kill off the most popular hero in the entire franchise um but you know you don't just you don't just kill off these characters these characters that have mm-hmm. existed for decades that have existed back from the 50s 60s and 70s and have such huge cultural cachet and they've only done one movie with them like it's it's unprecedented that they would just black Panther black Panther would just be gone. Like that's crazy that that's from a perspective of in the movies and in the franchise. It's, it's insane that they would just be like, well, we had that one movie and then he was in civil war and, and uh, infinity war and Endgame and smaller roles. But like, he's just, he's gone now. There's no more black Panther. Um, But obviously, you know, they have to reckon with his horrible tragedy that, that uh, happened in real life. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I they have to come up I with a solution. Away. Let me, let me picture this. Okay. They just can't get him. He's busy all the time. Yeah. <laughs> they just keep, they just keep being like, they keep, there's, there's, there's scenes in every yeah. Marvel movie where they're like, they're like, they're like, Hey, yeah. uh, you want to come fight this battle with this, uh, cosmic, uh, robot? And they, you just hear a yeah. voice being like, no, I'm. I'm putting out a fire. I, I, I can't. I can't come. I can't do it right now. I. I, I got some yeah. issues. I'm. I got some errands. I got to run. Yeah. And like, I'm, at, oh, I, I'm in tar- line at Target. This yeah. line is crazy. And it's like oh, next time. And next then, time, like, man. Yeah. And then like every other time, they're like, oh, straight to voicemail again. <laughs> yes, that's a perfect solution. Yeah, I got, that's for free. Yeah. Marvel, you can mm-hmm. have that for free. 
but yeah, yeah, it is, it's crazy. I mean, he's not Black Panther is not as popular as Batman, but just to use an extreme example to put it into perspective, it would be like they just killed Batman and then we're just like, there's no more Batman. He's just gone. Yeah. He's gone forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely un, uncharted territory. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the, uh, the, the guy who randomly accosted Rick Moranis and punched him a couple months ago, or uh, yeah, has been identified and arrested. So it's still like, it seems like this is a made up story. This whole thing. Yeah. So, oh my God. A man accused of randomly assaulting actor Rick Moranis in early October has been identified and arrested. On October 1st, Moranis was walking near his home on Central Park West in the Upper West Side of Manhattan with the suspect approaching him from the opposite direction. Apparently, without provocation, the suspect sucker punched Moranis in the head, knocking the actor to the ground and inflicting minor injuries. The whole ordeal was captured on surveillance footage, which was posted online. And we didn't talk about this because I think it was just one of those weeks where we just didn't do an episode. But yeah, he got uh, he just got attacked randomly, randomly for no reason. Um, at the time, police released photos of the man on social media asking for the public's help in capturing the criminal. Although no credible leads came in, authorities continue to keep an eye out for the assailant seen in the video. The moment finally came on Saturday when the suspect was spotted by transit officers in the subway system just a few blocks away from where the incident took place. After he was arrested, the suspect was identified as 35-year-old Marcus Ventura, a man with an extensive criminal history. Um, yeah, so they they caught that guy. Yeah, I mean... Of all the people, wrong person to sucker punch. Yeah, get your, get your so many people are like, "Fuck you, dude!" Yeah, get your we hands got bricks back. Yeah, get your hands off off our father. <laughs> yeah, get your hands exactly. off of Wayne Zelinsky. That's right. The man is uh, not only a national treasure but a global treasure. Yeah. Yeah. And and the, and the funny it, go ahead sorry oh just the and the 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 kind of funny thing about it the cosmically funny thing about it is as we've talked about before on the show Rick Moranis sort of left the industry um, yeah. back in the back in the nineties late nineties I think or maybe early two thousands um, because his wife passed away and then he basically just wanted to focus on being a dad. And he completely disappeared from the spotlight and kind of disappeared entirely. Like nobody knew where he was. You know, he wasn't, he was just, he was just gone. And then just recently, like literally like a couple weeks before this happened, he came back. He re-entered the world and was like, I'm here. He was in a commercial with Ryan Reynolds and then he mm-hmm. and then it was announced that he was going to be in the in a, in a in a in a in a new Honey I Shrunk the Kid movie. So it was like he was gone for like for like a couple decades or maybe a little less, but he was gone completely off the map, off the grid. And then he like surfaced and was like, "Hey guys." And then somebody just walked up and punched him in the face. Yeah. I don't I don't know. He's like, "This is why I don't go back into public." <laughs> This is why we can't have nice things, people. 
Uh, and and on that on that note, uh, Ryan Reynolds, who I said he was in a he he appeared in a in a commercial with him. Uh, both both Canadian celebrities, uh, and he tweeted uh, when this happened. He tweeted, uh, "Should have known not to subject Rick to the year 2020." Stop it. Um, last story before we take a quick break. Um, according to Home Alone 2 director Chris Columbus, uh, Donald Trump bullied his way into the movie. So, uh, you know, you know, we all know it's been it's been memeified several times since Trump became president. Uh, there's a scene in Home Alone 2 Lost in New York when Kevin McAllister is running through the halls of the hotel that he ends up staying in. And then he stops and asks Donald Trump for directions. And Donald Trump points him in the direction of where he needs to go. I forget where he's asking to go, but he there's just a gotcha. cameo scene where Donald Trump's like, oh, it's that way or whatever. And uh, that's been memeified since, you know, him becoming president. Uh and uh, Chris Columbus, the the director of the movie, who directed the first and the second film, um, he recounts a story in which um, basically Donald Trump just kind of forced his way into that cameo. And, and essentially, what happened was, uh, you know, as well as as uh, Chris Columbus recounts, where's this quote at? Um, uh, so, so, so Chris Columbus talks about the fact that, um, you know, typically whenever you're making a movie, you, if you want to use a location, you just pay the location to use it. So you're like, oh, we want to shoot in here. Here's our money. Here's the permit and let's do it. So they, they were shooting in the Plaza Hotel for, uh, to use its lobby for the lobby of this hotel that he stays in. And they paid the fee and they did everything that they needed to do. But the um, the hotel was owned by Donald Trump at the time. So after they had paid the fee and sort of made the agreement and had already set it up and had, you know, gotten the crew in there and gotten everything ready at the last minute, at the 11th hour, Donald Trump was basically like, you can only use the hotel if I'm in the movie. You have to put me in. And so they were just kind of like, okay. Mm-hmm. So they so they kind of like, he, he, kind of, he kind of forced them to do it because he, he agreed to it. They paid the fee. They got every, everything set up. They didn't know that this was going to be, the, they didn't know that Trump was going to sprinkle this cov on them. Yeah. And then at the last Which minute. off brand for him too. It's weird. Yeah. And then at the last minute, he was like, oh, by the way, I have to be in the movie or you have to get the fuck yeah. out of here. And so that's why he's in the movie. I wonder if they, in the future, digitally remove him. They replace him with... Uh, and replace him with Chadwick Boseman! Yes, there we go. That's, we that's go. the button. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to... Oh, we're going to... Enjoy some footage, and we're going to do our regular segment. Can you go for that? After these messages, we'll be right back. And we're back. 
Um, so uh, for the this is a bad name for this segment. I've, I've I've titled this segment footage of the day, but some of this stuff isn't footage. And also you can't watch it at home. So calling it footage of the day is just kind of like a just a bad name. So I'll figure out a better name for this. But for now, it's called footage of the day, even though oh, right. that's we're a building. complete misnomer. And uh, this thing we're going to talk about here is not footage. Um, so the first thing is the um, the the indie musician Phoebe Bridgers, which you may or may not be aware of, uh, has fulfilled her election day promise to cover the Goo Goo Dolls Iris. So uh, so indie singer songwriter Phoebe, Phoebe Bridgers casually mentioned 10 days before the election that if Biden won, she'd release a cover of Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls, which if you're not familiar, it's the song that was famously um, on the soundtrack for the Nicolas Cage movie City of Angels and became a huge with Meg Ryan. Yeah, with came became a huge single and kind of put the Goo Goo Dolls on the map. Why that's do did she say why that song she chose like I, of all the songs she, she didn't chose? say it, but I think the I think the idea of it was like if 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 this happens, if Biden wins, I'm gonna do this goofy ironic okay. thing. It was like it was like a joke. Okay. It's like it's like gotcha. it, you know it's like the whole thing where people became obsessed with Africa by Toto for a while. It's like kind of like, this is like a, this is a kind of a cheesy song and we're going to pretend like we love it. I mean, not pretend we, the, the song is a genuine banger, but you know, it's not like, it's not like genuinely great art. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. cheesy music from a nostalgic era. Um, yeah, hot take Google dolls suck, <laughs> but yeah. Iris, Iris, it tugs at my heartstrings. Yeah, it's it's a it's, it's a, I mean it's a good song. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty good song. Yeah. Um. So uh, she probably tweeted this as a casual joke, but the idea took off with her fans. People flooded her with enthusiasm for this idea, made memes, and the actual Goo Goo Dolls even tweeted her saying, "We're waiting." <laughs> good for them. By the time it seemed likely that Biden was going to win the election, it was pretty much a given with her fans that this was actually going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I don't think that this was a real thing that she actually meant to do. I think it was like it was just an offhanded joke. Mm-hmm. But then it it became a meme within her fan community. And to the point where, like, by the time it was looking like the election was clinched, it was like, you're doing this like it's going to happen. Um, and then uh, on, on in the days leading up to Biden it being called for Biden, uh, fellow singer songwriter Maggie Rogers um, with even if you're not familiar with Maggie Rogers, she was the sing- she was the singer who had gone viral several years ago because she was there was a video where she was going to this this music school like a in New York, and um, Pharrell Williams had gone to this class to do this workshop where he would like listen to people's yeah, yeah pe- listen to people's uh, work in progress songs and kind of give feedback and it was filmed and it had gone viral because she played her song for him and he was like he was like blown away like like, yeah, I remember like he was like this is amazing and on the strength of this she got a record deal and became like a huge thing um, yeah, I totally remember that. Um, so she she tweeted that she wanted to join in, um, which got people even more excited. 
So a few days after the election, Bridger started posting pictures of lyrics to Iris written on a piece of paper um, and some other little clues that alluded to the fact that like she was actually doing this. Um, and then the song dropped. So um, we're going to listen to this. Ooh, we're going to listen to the Phoebe Bridgers, Maggie Rogers collaboration cover of Iris. Um, but, yeah, but if you but if you want to, um, this is available to listen for for free. Um, however, you can go over to Bandcamp and I'll put a link in the description. You can go over to Bandcamp and you can you can buy the track and you can name your price. So you can pay a penny. You can pay a hundred dollars. Um, but whatever whatever you pay will go directly to um, Stacey Abrams Fair Fight um, organization, which uh, which my my friend uh, Dominic works for Fair Fight. So oh, they're, they're, they're over in Georgia doing doing uh, doing the Lord's work. Um, shout out to mm-hmm. Dominic Kelly, which definitely does not listen to this podcast, but shout out anyway. Um, shout out to Stacey Abrams, who does. Yep. Yeah, she's she, she's, she's, a, she's a huge listener. Yeah. Um, she's a caster. Yeah. Uh, and so let's 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 check out the uh, the uh, cover of. This will be interesting. Iris by Phoebe Bridgers and Maggie, Maggie Rogers. So this is one of the this is one of the memes that had gotten oh, that's a good that meme. had gone viral, where it's like a picture of a girl. She's got a bottle of milk and she, there's a other there's another girl that's kind of like on her knees looking up at her and the girl is holding her hair back and she's like feeding her milk. And it seems like I don't know where this picture came from, but it seems like vaguely fetishy, like it's some kind yes. of weird milk feeding fetish thing. Yeah. And so they took this picture and they took the girl feeding the milk and they put the text Phoebe and Maggie on her and then on the girl on her knees with being fed the milk it has the text that says the revolution which I guess is just <laughs> you know just the vague concept of the revolution that's being mm. happening in the country or whatever and then the bottle of milk has the text Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls <laughs> on it um, and that's disconcerting that meme was created by fans and then um Phoebe Bridgers actually retweeted or re-grammed or whatever you call it. I think it was on Instagram, um, this meme. And then she actually like, she used this as the cover album for, or the cover art for the single. Um, so like I said, you can download this and donate to Fair Fight, but uh, let's let's hear it. This is Phoebe, in case you want to know. The other voice that comes in is going to be Maggie Rogers. Thank you. 
Fuck! <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna cry. Harmonizing is killing me. I mean, I gotta say, I bet you the Google Dolls listened to this and went, oh, fuck. God damn it. Yep. This For is sure. so much better. For sure. I mean, I, wow. I, it's so funny to me because I actually, I actually followed this story from the beginning because I'm in, a, I'm in a Phoebe Bridgers Facebook group. And so I was like seeing this whole thing play out in real time where people were like, posting like oh she said this and then posting memes and things like that and then like oh my god she's like saying that she's actually going to do it so i was like i was like seeing the whole thing play out and then to see this actual thing come out it's it's so funny to me because like it's not just like a joke it wasn't just like oh she recorded herself like mm -hmm. like it, this could have been totally fine nobody yes. would nobody would have batted an eye if she had just recorded herself like in her room like singing the song to like guitar like a, like she quickly yeah. just like learned the song yeah. and learned the lyrics and then recorded her it, it still would have sounded good it still would have sounded mm -hmm. like her and she still could have released it as a as a single and still raised money for for a fair fight and all this stuff like that like she didn't have to go this hard yeah and this is a full did. hold my beer moment yeah <laughs> oh and then I'm and then also uh just as a fun little coda, uh, I saw this. Um, uh, Maggie Rogers put this on TikTok. How do you? 
Oh, here we go. Wait, no, that's not right. You don't know how to use TikTok, boomer? <laughs> you, don't even, TikTok? You, you don't even know what TikTok is. TikTok, you don't stop. It's a news catchphrase. <laughs> TikTok, don't stop. I just can't. I can't find her actual profile because all I'm getting in the search is just like the song, her songs being used by other people. God dang it! She doesn't want you to find her. Yeah, seemingly. Yeah, there's just like it's like impossible to find her actual profile because. So you're 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 confessing to the world you're not on TikTok. Definitely not. Uh, okay. All right, man. God damn okay, it. Okay, boomer. <laughs> you're just you, you're a huge TikTok influencer. <laughs> you don't and you don't even know because you're not on it. Oh yeah. All my dances just blow up. Okay, here we go. Yeah, so she she posted this. And I don't want the world to see me Cause I don't think that they'd understand When everything's made to be broken I just want you to know who I am So that was, that was her. I want to be friends with them. Yeah. There's, they're great. Um, yeah. So uh, wow, that was delightful. Yeah. There's really, really good. There's there's small specks of brightness in the dark abyss. Yeah, take what we um, can get. That was wonderful. Speaking of dark abyss, the next thing is uh, so it's just so deeply disturbing. A new trailer came out for a Tom and Jerry movie. Which no anything about this. I don't think any. I don't think anybody had it on their scorecard that there was going to be a Tom and Jerry movie that came out. Yeah, but here we are, a surprise drop. I haven't even heard of this movie being made. I'd never heard anything about this, but a new Tom and Jerry movie is coming out, and a trailer for it just dropped. It's a live action movie with Tom and Jerry animated in. Oh, oh boy. And it stars Chloe Grace Moretz. Oh wow. What's what's happening to our world? So let's let's watch this trailer. Most famous enemies. You can count on me like one, two, three. Tom and Jerry are about to start over. So right away, like the animation of Tom and Jerry is really weird. Is this a joke? This is a spoof. It's not a joke. Right? The the this is it's wow, a live act, it's a live action movie with animated elements, Tom and Jerry and some other things, but like the animation is weird. Michael Payne is in it? Yeah, and Colin Jost. <laughs> Rob uh Rob uh Mullaney, is that yeah. his name? No, uh with what now? I, I can't remember, but yeah. But yeah, like the the animation is like it's like this weird CGI that look supposed to look like 2D animation, 
So it's just really no, weird looking. It's like superimposed onto the movie. Yeah. It doesn't like mix or, or look very good. I can't. Ken Jong is in it. Oh, Ken, Jesus Christ. It's a fairly good sized cast. I think I might have just pulled this off. Really? Wow, that looks cheap as fuck. I that can't be real. Is that real? It's real. That's I, it looks like two different movies put together. It does. I by like that, that, a, a student. A student was like, hey, for my final, I gotta take this existing movie and put together this cartoon with it that I created. So this is uh this is the best as I can do. That was the same joke I was gonna make. That like it looks oh. like it, it it looks like they there was like a different movie. Then they just like added Tom and Jerry to it. Yeah, because it's like all of the react. It's like it's just like the animated Tom and Jerry running around fighting each other and chasing each other, and then like all of the live action stuff just seems unrelated, and it just seems like they're kind of just like reacting to things. So it's like it, I was going to make the same joke of just like this was a different movie that was just like Chloe Grace Moretz like working in a hotel. And yeah, and then like they just like were like, we're going to turn this into a Tom and Jerry movie. And then like the animation, <laughs> it just looks so weird. It's like it's like it's so off. It's 3D CGI, but it's like colored in a particular way that makes it look like it's supposed to be 2D animation. So it's like it looks kind of like 2D animation, but you can tell it's 3D it's kind of like cell shaded graphics on a like like video games like certain video games that have that cell shaded look to it mm-hmm. and it just it's just like doesn't fit into the scenes and it looks really strange and yeah the whole thing just seems so bizarre and it's even more weird that like i didn't even know this was happening i had no idea this yeah. was going like, to it's so strange i i'm not given it the right name but it looks like this is go i'm going way back in time when i was a kid i think they're called playforms and there were little figures that you'd slap onto a board that was like a city street. Oh, but yeah. They were figures. Um, color forms. Color yeah, forms. Yeah, color forms. It looks like color forms. It's that bad. Is it color forms? It's not. Uh, yes, color forms. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I that's wrote, exactly it. I wrote a commercial for color forms one time. <laughs> oh. Is, can we see it on YouTube? They never made it. I, oh, okay. I yeah, I, I, I sold a bunch of commercial scripts and literally not, none of them ever got made. 
like wow. I, like I, I, I there was a time for a couple of years where me and my friend uh, worked together and pitched a bunch of commercials to companies and we sold multiple of them. But which is like, cool, we got the money. But every single one of them never actually ended up getting made. Wow. Um, that's that's normal, though, I think. Yeah. But we but we pitched we pitched an idea that got bought that was like. I mean, it's so dumb because it's like not reality at all, but it was a, it was like a, it was a, it was a commercial where it starts off on a TV with like some kind of flashy cartoon playing Mm -hmm. and then it like the camera slowly pans away from it and then it pans over onto a couch and there's like an iPad sitting on it that's, that's just sitting on the couch and then it pans and then it's like. And then it shows like a video game console, like a like a Nintendo Switch or something like that, that's sitting on the couch by itself alone. And then it pans over to a cell phone, like a smartphone that's just sitting on the couch by itself. And then it pans over to uh, a family like in the next room, gathered around a color forms, playing it, like putting the little characters on it, like implying that they've abandoned their electronic devices <laughs> to play with color forms. But it did not because that happens. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, Tom and Jerry. That looks like it looks like a color form set. Yeah, really weird looking. Yeah. Um, so now we're gonna do our regular segment where we talk about rumors and unsubstantiated nostalgic stories and whether or not we think they're good ideas. And that segment is called. Can you go for that? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, can you, can you go for that? Oh, 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 can you, oh, can you go for that? Oh, 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 can you, oh, can you go for that? Can you go for that? This is the classic. Can you go for that? So we have one story for Can You Go For That today, and it is that John Boyega famously played uh finn in the the star wars sequel movies wants to be james bond wants to be the next james bond so uh rise of skywalker star john boyega uh has expressed that he'd be interested in playing james bond uh black panther star latidia wright certainly thinks so while fans await the final outing for daniel craig's portrayal of james bond it is difficult not to let the mind wander and wander who uh, who will be uh, wonder and wonder who will become who will be chosen to take over the follow uh, who will be chosen to take over following no time to die and Wright thinks that Boyega would nail it I'd say Boyega because I know he would love it you know Daniel is the he's the do the work and stay behind you know like he likes to stay low key so that's too much he can still play Bond too but I know John Boyega would just yeah which is that's a very incomplete statement but she was essentially just saying that uh, he'd be great. And uh, John Boyega was into the idea. And in response, he said, he said, hey, listen, with Steve McQueen directing, let's do this. We could show them something different. We still bring that sophistication. You know, James Bond has to be James Bond, but we could do something like that. So uh, John Boyega as the new James Bond. And I go for that. Yes, I can go for that. A hundred percent. Yes. Especially like he's like, oh, yeah, me and Steve McQueen, we're going to put this thing together. 
that thing would be so good. I don't even need to see a trailer of that. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I always worry they're just going to fuck up who's going to be the next Bond. And it, it shouldn't be that hard. Like, especially you, you, you've got John Boyega, uh, a British actor who's already a star. What's what's holding you back? Mm-hmm. You already fucked it up with Idris and not casting him. And now he's quote unquote too old. Don't get me started on this. Because I'm getting hot. I could go for it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely go for it as well. I love John Boyega. Um, out, you know, just outside of the Star Wars movies, even. Um, the first thing I ever saw him in, which was the first movie he was ever in, was a movie that came out in 2011 called Attack the Block. Um, I think oh, a lot, I've heard of that one. A lot, yeah. of people, a lot of people don't know that uh, how John Boyega got into the industry was that um so joe cornish was making this movie attack the block which is a it's a movie about a bunch of street kids in south london who uh an alien invasion happens and then they basically have to fight the aliens and so when he was making the movie the way that he cast the the street kids was that he just interviewed a bunch of actual South London street gang kids and he did these big inter- he did this big session of interviews with all these kids and just basically like you know just come in and and talk to us and he screened hundreds and hundreds of kids and he chose a handful of them and actually cast them in the movie so all these people all these kids in the movie are all non-actors who were cast off the street and uh, John Boyega was one of them, and he's he plays the main character Moses, and he's great in it. And that was the first thing I ever saw him in. And then uh, it was mind blowing to see him be cast in the Star Wars movies. Um, and he's been in a couple other things, but I love John Boyega, and I think he'd be great as James Bond. And I would love to see that. So I can definitely yeah. go for that as well, for sure. Yeah, for the- sure. <laughs> and seven years ago, I saw John Boyega in well done attack the block was it seven years ago yeah. did that perfectly work out let's see 2018 17 16 15 14 13 almost almost we'll give it to you yeah he's also like if you hear him interviewed you're like he's just a great interview too he just, yeah he's got it so there's no reason not to he's yeah he's a charismatic guy yeah definitely definitely can go for that that's all i gotta say This has been another edition of Can you go for that? Can you go for that? Can you go? Can you go? This is the remix. Can you go? 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 Can you go for that? Can you go for that? Final story before we wrap up the show. So recently in an interview, um, Stand By Me and Star Trek, the next generation star, Will Wheaton, has talked about how he finds acting uh, traumatic after childhood experiences. Hollywood is filled with stories of child stars who burn too quickly and too brightly, leading to a messed up life as an adult. 
One former child star who has been able to keep his life stable and enjoy a successful career as an adult is Stand By Me star Will Wheaton, who also played Wesley Crusher in Star Trek TNG. But as the actor revealed to Metro UK, his childhood experiences definitely had a negative effect on his life, even going so far so far as to describe the process of acting as traumatic. Uh, he said, I'm not especially interested in being an on-camera actor. That was never my choice. When I was a kid, my parents forced me to become an actor. It was never something I wanted to do. Throughout my childhood, I begged my mother to stop forcing me to go on auditions, to just let me be a kid, and she never heard me. It was really important to her that I become famous so that she could be the famous actor's momager, and it sucked. That choice cost me my relationship with my parents, and as a consequence of that, I don't really enjoy on-camera acting. It's a little triggering and a little traumatic. If I had been supported by my parents instead of manipulated and controlled by them, I would be sharing my dreams with them right now, and and I'm not because they didn't support my dreams on this at all. When people find out that my childhood was incredibly abusive and that none of this was my choice, sometimes I hear people say, oh, I feel so sad that I liked your work as a kid. I don't want anyone to ever feel like that. The work is good. I'm good at it. And I'm a good and I'm I'm a good child actor, but I was abused and I was hurting a lot. And that informed my character. So uh, apparently Will Wheaton, as you know, the the great classic stand by me and playing Wesley Crusher, who. A lot of people don't like Wesley Crusher's character on the show, but it's, you know, still, still an integral part of that show. Uh, he was apparently going through a lot of uh, a lot of emotional trauma as he apparently had these abusive parents who kind of was were forcing him to do this and kind of were just in it for the to validate their own vicarious dreams of celebrity. Yeah, that's really fucked up where you're like forcing a kid to be an actor. Yeah. Like, come on, just for a second, take a take a step back and look at yourself if that's really it's such a shitty job to begin with that to force someone to do it that they don't want to do it is just reprehensible. Yeah, it's it's messed up. It's, that being said, you're totally forcing your kids to do it, right? Oh yeah, I mean they're they're at auditions right now. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. And they better book. That's mm-hmm. that's there's a big sign in Andrew's house in the living room. Better book. Yep. You better book, or you better book, or you won't look at dinner tonight. I'm still I'm I'm workshopping it. Listen, this whole manager thing is new to you. The point is it gets the message. The point is it gets is it gets the message across. Yeah. If point the point is they need to book. Yes. Always be booking. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. ABB. ABB. Dinners for closers. That's right. Juice is for closers. Yep. So uh, that's that's it. Thanks for listening. Um, if you if you like the show and you haven't done so already, think about subscribing on your podcast app of choice. If you think a friend might like the show, feel free to share with them. Um, if you want to keep up to date with the news about the podcast, as well as all the nostalgic news we do on a daily basis, you can follow us on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and search Nostalgia. We are the official Nostalgia Facebook page with the blue check mark next to our name. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nostalgia. Um, if you have any questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, anything you might want to be read on the show or anything you want to ask us, you can email us at NostalgiaCastPod at gmail.com. 
Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening and stay safe, stay healthy. Bye. Bye.